Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. The same house we wanted to buy it was actually flipped by somebody else. And when we looked at the numbers, we would have probably made $65,000 out of it. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guest, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Best ever listeners, how's it going? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Joe Fairless, and my name isn't nearly as sexy as today's best ever guest name because he's French. And don't all French people have the best names? His name is Guillaume Defour. Did I did I pronounce that correctly, Guillaume? That was correct. That was actually very good for our first time. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. It's like my uh, Texas roots didn't even come up in that little pronunciation. (laughs) Guillaume's 27 years old and he's based in Montreal, Canada. He bought his first income property at 23 years old and he completed his first flip at 24 years old. He sold his most profitable deal just recently that netted $110,000. And in 2015, his real estate earnings are expected to be just north of $200,000. So we're getting into some specific numbers with Guillaume, and boy, do I love that. 
And with that being said, Guillaume, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on right now? Yeah, for sure. So basically, I like to think of myself as a true real estate investor. So I started out, as you said, it's about three or four years ago when I bought my first property, which was a triplex here in Montreal, Canada. So that's the first investment that I made. Um, I come from a background where nobody invests in real estate. I started from scratch pretty much. So nobody in my family uh, ever had a bachelor's degree. Nobody in my family ever had their own business. So I was kind of starting from from nothing. So when I kind of discovered this uh, passion, this new passion for real estate, what I did is just started, you know, reading books about it, going to events, networking events, uh, conferences, uh, stuff like that. And when I got uh, the hang of it and I was confident enough, that's when I made my first purchase, which was the, the triplex with two partners to be able to help me financially because I didn't have money. I was in university uh, working part-time job and trying to, you know, to live a decent life with the, the amount of money that I had. So, uh, so yeah, that's how I started out uh, with the triplex a few years ago. And then it's been eight transactions so far I've completed and I've touched pretty much everything. So that's why I don't specialize in wholesale or apartment buildings or house flips. I kind of did a bit of everything from selling the land to wholesaling to, so I, I touched everything so far. So that's pretty interesting. All right. So many questions, my friend. <laughs> Let's start with this. You mentioned you got started by reading books, attending networking events, going to different conferences. A lot of people who are really focused on real estate will do those similar steps, but yet they won't actually make the purchase. What was the trigger that took you from conferences, reading books, networking events to actually making the purchase? That's actually a very good question, and I agree with you 100%. A lot of people do all this stuff, but they never actually make the move, right? They, 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 don't, they never jump or go ahead and try and accomplish what they want to accomplish. So for me, the trigger was pretty simple. That was, you know, saying everything I wanted to do out loud, right? I was speaking with people around me saying how I wanted to, to buy a property. I was not just keeping it in my head. I was just really trying to get everybody around me to know what I was looking for. And that's when I got other people interested in my project. And when these people, there's actually two people, um, my uh, girlfriend's dad and uh, her brother actually told me that they would be interested in, you know, jumping in that project with me. That's when it kind of triggered, you know, everything that now I had, I was accountable. I, I told these two people I was going to buy a property and I wanted them to help me. So I kind of had to go ahead and do it. So by having the people around me push me by telling them I wanted to do that. It kind of made me accountable and I had to do it. That's just part of, uh, I think, a, a process that's very important. It's just not keep everything in your in your head or just in your mind, speaking it out loud, getting people to know what you're doing. This way you, you kind of feel like you have to accomplish it to make sure you don't, I don't know, I don't want to say disappoint these people, but to make sure you show them that what you are telling them, you are actually um, serious in your uh, and what you want to do in the project that you want to that you want to go ahead with. So it was a, it was a triplex. You partnered with your girlfriend's dad and her brother at the time, and this is when you were twenty three years old. So four years ago, how did you know how to structure that partnership? What were the legal documents that you have with them, and who has what responsibility? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. So basically, the way we structured it is I wanted everybody to be equal partners. I believe in being equal partners in everything I do, because I think that whenever I partner up with people, we all bring something that's that's complementary. So we all bring something different to the table. Otherwise, we would not partner together. So for me with them, it was pretty simple. So I was bringing in the whole idea, the whole project. I had read about the subject. You know, I was in these networking events, getting the contacts, getting uh, some mentorship from people in networking events as well that I was meeting. So I was kind of the guy that, that had all the knowledge, well, basic knowledge, because I was just starting, but I had the knowledge one of my partner, my uh, girlfriend's dad, he had a bit of money on the side. I mean, his house was clear. Uh, so he had this line of mortgage line of credit that, that could be used to purchase something. And then my girlfriend's brother, he was uh, studying in the engineering. So he had more of the construction or renovation aspect that we could use as well. So we determined that we would be equal partners and we actually had a contract written out. So we did it ourselves. We made sure to make it check uh, by a lawyer, just make sure it was it was okay, because a, a contract between two people is still binding, at least in Canada, legally speaking. It doesn't have to be written by a lawyer. If you do it between two people, it is still binding. So we had that done, but we had it checked to make sure that it was, that it was uh, done the right way. So making sure that you know, if something happens, if somebody dies, then what what happens to his his share of the building? So it has to be offered to the the other two before it goes to the family, stuff like that. So it's very important to to be well protected uh, with that kind of document. So that that's how we did it. So your girlfriend's dad brought the money. Yep. Your girlfriend's brother did the oversight of the construction and renovation, and then you found the property. You brought together any other team members? And did you have any other additional responsibilities other than kind of finding the property and putting it together? Yeah, well, along the way, we developed uh, different responsibilities as well. So, you know, I've been in charge of the tenants pretty much for the last four years. So I took charge of that aspect because I wanted to learn. So whenever, uh, you know, there's a new lease to sign, a new tenant to find, I'm handling all of that as well because I like to do it because I want to buy, you know, other properties in, in the future. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. And everything that's more, as I said, when there's a problem, something that needs to be fixed, uh, there's a leak somewhere, it's going to be my girlfriend's brother who's going to ch- take charge of that. So in the whole process, we develop other responsibilities. And I, I, I found out that I kind of, I liked to take care of the tenants. So that, that, that part got, uh, that got kind of tra- transferred to me as well. So that's what I've been doing and keeping up when, you know, with the trends of the industry, uh, making sure that, you know, we, we do things to keep our tenants happy. So, for example, um, at some networking events, I, I learned somebody told me it's good to uh, maybe give uh, gifts to your tenants uh, for, for Christmas, for example, just to show your appreciation, you know, be a good uh, landlord. So that's something I brought to the table. So it's been two years now. We're always sending gifts. Uh, it could be chocolate, it could be pretty much anything, just a little attention, just to show to our tenants that we care. Because at the end of the day, they're our clients, right? It's like we're running a business and they're, um, they're loyal clients to us. So we're just trying to give back to them. That's the kind of thing I would get from the networking events, from the, 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 the reading on forums, like bigger pockets, stuff like that online. And then I would bring to the table and bring to, to my partners as well. In 2015, You mentioned, or I mentioned, because I was reading what you sent me before the show, that uh, your real estate earnings will be are expected to 
be around 200 or a little bit more in, in this year. Can you break down how it's added up to 200? Like where's, where are the sources coming from? Yeah, for sure. About a year and a half ago, I invested in my own training. So I decided, you know, books are fine. I've read a ton of books on real estate. I've read blogs, uh, but I decided I wanted to you know, invest in myself. So I, I took uh, an actual training or a class uh, about real estate. So uh, it was a 10-month program I took here in Canada. It was about $4,500, which is expensive, but um, you know, we need to see this as um, something that can bring a, a positive return on investment. So for me, I put money into that, $4,500. Everybody was say, telling me how expensive it was. But then I said, if I make one deal that I couldn't make, if I had not taken this training and this deal brings me, you know, $20,000, I'm still up by, by $15,000. So that's what I did. Took the training. I learned how to structure my company, so I, I, I basically created two uh, different companies with, uh, with a partner of mine, uh, and then that's how we started investing proactively in the last year. So last year has been very busy for me. So we started with this big project, which is the one you mentioned, uh, that brought in uh, about $110,000 in net profit. So that project pretty much was, was kind of a flip, uh, so a house flip with uh, some land attached to it. So we bought this house with a, that had a, a piece of, that, was, that had a land of about 36,000 square feet. And what we did is we subdivided the land in actually four different lots. So we had the lot with the house on it, and then we had three extra lots that we created. So the house, we flipped it, renovated the house, sold the house. If you want hard numbers, so we paid 279 for the whole thing. That was listed on MLS. So we paid 279. We actually sold the house for 220,000. So technically, we lost money on the house. Um, we had to put 26,000 dollars in renovations in it on top of that. But uh, I was able to sell the three pieces of land for 80,000 dollars each. So that was an extra 240,000 dollars just on the pieces of land there. So all in all, because I don't want to get into too many technicalities here, but with the, you know, the purchase uh, cost, uh, holding costs, selling fees as well, uh, renovations, everything included, the net profit was about $110,000. So that was the first deal. That was the biggest one, actually. And then the, the other $90,000 that we're going to make this year is that we are currently buying, I'm flipping right now, three houses at the same time. That's the first for me, three in the same month, actually, that we bought. Uh, so it's been booming. Business has been booming lately. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now in my expecting, expected earnings. If, you know, everything goes to the plan would be to get to that $200,000 mark for the last year, which would be pretty, uh, pretty impressive for me. And are you doing this part-time or full-time? That's correct. Part-time for now. So I've been doing that while working uh, full-time in marketing. I have a, a, a job in, in marketing. But you know what? I think the plan is right now, since we've sold this big deal with $110,000, what we determined, that me and my partner, is that I would jump into this full-time as of uh, February 2016. So we're going to pretty much take 
part of the, the, the money that we made on the deal and uh, you know, give me a kind of a salary for the year. So I have a full year that I can work full time on it and grow the business. Uh, for me and my partner. So he agreed to it. I agreed to it. So technically, February 2016, I would jump full-time into real estate, which is very exciting for me because getting to do what I love to do the most every single day, uh, every hour of the day, is just a dream come true. So that's what's going to happen uh, you know, if everything goes well. With the property that netted $110,000, you said you subdivided the land into four different lots. One lot had the house, you sold it for 220 and the other three lots for 80K. How did you find that? And was it a specific search that you were looking for with that you could subdivide land or did you fall into it? No, we were actually looking for that kind of a deal. Uh, I One of my mentors, uh, mentors was doing the same thing. He had done quite a few deals like this with subdividing of the land. So he did three or four and he just... At some point, we were just discussing you know, what we could do to try and uh, and achieve our objectives and 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 uh, increase our our real estate you know portfolio pretty much. So when he told me what he was doing and subdividing the land and how easier it was and how profitable it could be uh, compared to the amount of work and the amount of money that you have to put in, that's when we decided we would start looking for that kind of a deal. So we the, the deal when it was on the market for about three months. So that was, at first, that tipped us off. We thought there's something wrong. There's probably no way we can subdivide because otherwise it would not sit on the on the market for three months. Usually when it's a very good deal like this that you can make 110K, there would be people all over it the day that it's listed, right? So it was kind of, we were kind of concerned that maybe, you know, uh, our instincts were wrong. Uh, but then when we dug uh, further into it, we went to the city, make sure that, you know, we would be able to subdivide the land because there's a lot of verifications that need to be done before we actually buy a deal like this because we could lose a lot of money. So after all the due diligence, we figured out we could do it. So that's when we bought it. So apparently other people that saw it before just did not did not think about the possibility of subdividing. We saw that opportunity that, that other people did not see. So we I wouldn't say we were lucky. I think we were looking for it and that, that deal was just there for us. It was waiting for us. And that's, that's how we got it. Sometimes that's just how life it is. That's just how life is. So good thing we got it and it's going to allow us to do a lot more in the next few months. So we're pretty happy with that. What are the questions that you have to have answered whenever you're evaluating if you can subdivide land or not? Well, there's a lot of regulations that come into play. So the city uh, usually is going to tell you uh, your lot needs to have the, the width of the lot needs to, to be a minimum of, of uh, how many square feet. Uh, same thing for the depth of the of the land needs to have a minimum. So there's there's a lot of regulations. That's more actually my partner's part. He's more of the techie guy about this. More, I'm more the marketing guy, but there's a lot of things that need to that we need to take into consideration before jumping into such a deal. Because if we were not able to subdivide the land, I mean, we paid 279, sold the house for 220 on top of all expenses, we would have lost maybe $100,000. So that's why you know before somebody makes a move like this, you need to make sure that everything that you are, you set out to do is actually doable. You need to have written proof. So we asked the city to send us 
written proof that what they told us we could do, we could actually do to make sure they would not come back under words or say that, you know, they didn't, they never said that. So we wanted written proof. And when we had that, that's when we went through with the purchase. So that's, that's all the things that we need to put that you need to put in your contract when you're purchasing per, when you're doing the purchase, make sure that you have all these clauses, the, all, all of these conditions that are going to protect you from losing a, a lot of money. Did you have it under contract and then you started asking these questions with the city or did you ask the questions before you had it under contract? Actually, in this one, we made sure that all of the conditions were, were part of the contract. So the, the person that was actually the individual that was selling us the lot and the, and the, the house there, she knew what we were doing, but it was she was uh, you know uh, an old lady she did not want to want to do this herself she did not know how to do it she did not not want to go through the whole process so she knew it was possible to subdivide but it's not something that she was looking to do so that's why we were able to put in all of the conditions in the contract cuz she knew what we were doing so it's not like we were sneaking or trying to to, to, to do it behind anybody's back. So we put it out there. And, you know, with all the transactions that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, one important thing that I'm realizing is that, you know, it's important to be honest with people. Because if you're not honest and at some point the truth comes out and you might lose a contract for that, I mean, it's not worth it. So I'm always being fully transparent with my with people who are selling stuff to, to us or when I'm or when I am a seller as well, when I'm selling my house flips, I'm being 100%, you know, true with people because I don't want this to come back and, and, and bit me uh, in the future. So that's something that, that's how we did it. You mentioned something interesting and I think anybody who has a partnership will come across this where you and your partner have some overlapping skill sets, but then also you're, you're both good at different things. You said your partner's more of the, you know, the techie engineer. due diligence, yeah, yeah. engineer, whereas you're more of the marketing and probably more of the relationships. My question is, how do you know that your partner is doing the proper due diligence if you know he's responsible for that? Is it a he? Is it your brother? Is it your sister's brother? <laughs> no, in this case, it's actually a different partner. Or excuse partner. me, your girlfriend's yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, but it's, a, it's actually a different partner. So, so my current partner, which is for for the long run, for sure, has uh, been a, a friend since uh, high school. Uh, and we just had the exact same objective. So we wanted to make a living out of real estate. Right. And we, you know, we just had the same vision. So that's why we decided we would go in together. And we actually trust each other 100%. That's the only way you could have a partnership is if you trust the other person 100% and you have nothing to lose. Of course, we still have papers to protect to yeah. protect herself. Well, yeah. But my question is even, you know, the trust factor is there cuz that has to be there. But as far as checks and balances, if somebody is doing something, you know, like in this example, doing due diligence that he's focused on, but you're not. Do you have a, another person double check it if it's not your area of expertise or do you trust implicitly that you know, he's got it taken care of and then, you know, you both have risk associated to the transaction. So if it doesn't go well because of what he's doing, then he knows that and you're both going to lose money. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, we are always double checking ourselves because even though, you know, he's more of an expert in certain field, I still have some basic knowledge. It's not like, you know, where I, I don't know anything about what he's doing and vice versa. So we still, we double check everything we do. That's for sure. And obviously we uh, always surround ourselves with uh, professionals, right? So for example, whenever I'm buying anything, usually I don't go through a real estate broker, but whenever I'm selling something, I'm always using my real estate broker. So he's going to be there to, to support us as well, to give us his opinion, to double check everything. So on the selling side, I always use, you know, my, the, this guy that I'm working with, you know, I only have one and it's, it's my real estate broker. So, but I'm, when we're buying, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a different process. So we have to rely on each other. I'm not using a real estate broker, but for sure I can use my mentors as well to make sure that everything we did was right. So I would go when we bought this, uh, this, this deal that we are discussing right now, I went to the, the mentor that actually told me that we should be looking into subdividing lots and stuff like that. So I went to him, gave him the, you know, the, the lines, gave him the information and details about the deal just to make sure we were doing it right. And he could confirm that, you know, the due diligence that we did uh, for him made sense. So that's all the extra things that we could do to make sure that the risk that we are taking is a calculated risk. Because it's always, whenever we invest in real estate, there's always big risk, but they need to be calculated, right? If they're calculated, the chance of us losing money is is way lower than if we were not taking all the necessary actions to make sure that it was right. And is the partnership 50-50? Yeah, it is 100%. Once again, always equal partners. And do you have a an LLC that is 50-50 or is it just understood that any deal that we do, we're going to go 50-50 on and every deal is its separate LLC? No, that's it. Everything we do is through our corporations and we own them 50-50. So everything we do is, is 50-50. Whether he puts more money in the deal or I put more money in the deal, doesn't make any difference because if somebody's putting more money in the deal, it's understood and it's written in our contract that the money that he put in or that I put in is is owed to me or to him. So basically, if the deal falls through for some reason and we are losing money, then the, the person that put the money in is going to get their money back first and then we'll deal with the loss in any way that we feel appropriate. So in any case, it's always 50-50. Got it. So you've got a corporation that you have with him and then that corporation buys properties and those properties are in LLCs. That's uh, to protect our personal assets. Yep. That's the main point and for tax purposes as well. So I, although I'm not a tax expert, but for, for tax purposes and the protection of personal assets, yeah. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Uh, I think the best, the best advice ever for our best ever listeners is just go get the information, just read books, make sure you have all of the necessary tools that you need before you buy anything. Because I know so many people that told me that they did house flips in the past and lost money because they did not know how to do it. So I know it's everybody's, you know, it's not the first time we, we hear that, but knowledge is power. It's really the, th- the truth. And the other thing is just make the move. A lot of people are afraid of success. I mean, they're going to be analyzing properties for months, just analyzing, 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 and it's never good enough for them. At some point, they need to make a move. So once you get the knowledge, knowledge is great, 
But if you don't make a move, it's not worth anything. So I think a combination of these two is what's the most important to, to make sure you succeed in real estate. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep, yeah, sure. All right, first a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever that's s-t-r-i-d-e-h-e-a-l-t-h dot com forward slash best ever all right gm let's do this first one in french best ever book you've read you want me to answer in french yeah <laughs> parfait uh, le livre le meilleur livre que je n'ai jamais lu ce serait pas riche pas pauvre so rich dad poor dad Uh, that's a classic, but yeah, that, that's the, the book that really made me realize a lot of things about how I should handle my business. And Robert Kiyosaki has been a guest on the show. You can go check out his best ever advice that he gave on episode 262 titled, Want to Do a Deal with Robert Kiyosaki? Well, you better have an answer to this question. <laughs> best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? I think personal growth experience, I mentioned that prior, but really the networking, uh, the training uh, in real estate and, you know, anything that's related to, anything that can bring you closer to your objective. Uh, I participated in the Millionaire Mind Intensive seminar as well. So everything that can bring you closer to your millionaire objective or to to, to your main uh, goal, I think um, is going to help you, you know, learn from it and, and grow from it. So for me, it's just all this put together. What would you say to someone who believes in the power of focus and focusing on one particular strategy or asset class like single family homes or land development uh, or storage units or multifamily? Because you do different things uh, and you, you mentioned that you touch everything. So what would you say to that approach versus your approach? I think both approach can be can, can be useful, can be great. I mean, it depends on your, your own profile. Um, for me, I just like to do a bit of everything and I don't want to miss any opportunity. But I needed to make sure that I was I, was, I had the people around me to support me because I can't know everything. I can't be an expert in everything. So I had to get this knowledge from other people, from my contacts I made around networking events and stuff like that. But for somebody that, that's an expert in one field in particular and does great in that one field, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a very valuable strategy. But I think we can also diversify and touch a bit of everything and also have success. We just need to make sure they're, once again, calculated transactions and calculated risk that we're taking. Best ever way you like to give back? I actually like to help others a lot. So that's just part of my personality. Uh, so I never say no to somebody who wants to ask a question about real estate. So whether it's somebody who needs some consulting uh, time, whether it's somebody who needs uh, to meet me for coffee just to ask me questions on how they can improve uh, their own life or their, their real estate 
investment strategies, I, I always want to help these people. And most of the time, I mean, when I have time available, I mean, I, I'm never going to say no to these people because I want to help them. And that's just my way to give back. I know that if these people succeed, they're happy and uh, they, they make the economy grow. We all, we're all going to benefit from it. So that, that's kind of my way to give back to people. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Not being confident enough. I mean, when I first started out, uh, before I did my first flip at 24, we were looking for other properties, and we had this great opportunity for a house flip, uh, which we had on the contract. And I let I, and I let one of my partners lead the deal because I was not. I didn't feel like I could lead over him because he was older. He was like the older partner. He had the money. He was the putting the money in the deal. So I let him lead. After the uh, inspection of the property, he decided we should not go through with the purchase. And we listened to them because I was not confident enough to, to say, hey, I think it's a good deal. Uh, you know, we, we could find a way to make it profitable. So I let it slip. And then a few months after that, my real estate broker sent me a listing of the same house we wanted to buy. It was actually flipped by somebody else. And when we <laughs> looked at the numbers, we would have probably made $65,000 out of it. But, you know, we, we missed that opportunity. We did another flip after that. My first flip when I was 24, we made $22,000 out of it. We were three partners. That's about $7,000 each. It was a, an easy, quick flip, so it's still good money, but we could have made 65000 out of it. So that was kind of a hard feeling when I saw all these numbers. My estate broker sent me the listing of the house that sold. But, you know, that's part of the game. Sometimes we just make mistakes like that. But what I learned from it is that, you know, be confident. If you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. So you should step up. And, uh, and even though somebody else may bring in the money or maybe older or more experienced, it doesn't mean that they have the, 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 the right answer uh, to, to, to how to handle the deal. So that's something I would do differently if I, if I were to go back. What's the best ever place for the listeners to reach you? I think the easiest way to reach me is actually on my blog. Uh, I just launched a blog uh, a few weeks ago, which is called uh, Young Real Estate Millionaire. So on youngrealestatemillionaire.com. So people can read articles of what I'm doing on my journey to reach a million dollars in that asset. So people can reach out to me there, comment on the articles, go on the contact us page, email me, anything. That's really the best way, I think, to, to reach out to me. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice to the best ever listeners. I mean, just the title of your blog encapsulates the essence of our conversation. And that is what you mentioned at the very beginning is say everything you want out loud to other people, and then you're going to get other people interested in your journey. And that's, that's what you did to get into your first deal, that triplex, by mentioning it to your girlfriend's brother and her dad and partnering with them whenever you didn't have the money, but you brought in the contacts and you're also doing the property management. They brought in the money and the renovations. And uh, that's what you're doing now, eight deals later, where you've got this blog that you just launched and you're helping in others get a glimpse into you know the track that you're taking with your career and when you do that, others you know, want to participate and, and weigh in and, and you just meet more people that way. So it's, it's a brilliant strategy. I like how you got into the very specifics of the $200,000 this year and also the $110,000 deal. I think it's really, uh, really interesting to, to hear about subdividing the land 
how you were working with the, the seller and making sure the clauses were in there to be protected. And then also talking about how you structure your partnership with the first deal with uh, those the two others that I mentioned, your girlfriend's dad and your girlfriend's brother, and then also your current partnership uh, where it's a corporation and then that corporation has certain contingencies based on how the property is doing. And then you have an L- you have LLCs that you buy or with the other property. So really just covered a lot of things in our conversation. I'm very grateful. I mean, we didn't, I didn't even talk about how you're sending gifts and chocolate to your, your residents for Christmas and certain holidays. I usually, you know, talk, we usually talk about certain subjects, but this was, as you mentioned at the very beginning, you've touched everything. You've touched a lot of things and we touched a lot of things in this interview. So I, I think is really, uh, really beneficial for the best ever listeners. So thanks so much for being on the show. And there's anything you'd like to say to the best ever listeners in French before we sign off? <laughs> For sure. Merci beaucoup tout le monde d'avoir écouté le, le podcast de Joe. Puis merci à toi, Joe, pour ton temps. So basically, thanks for your time, Joe. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And this was way too short. I wish we could have gone on a, a few hours still. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your time and uh, for uh, your interest in my story. Thanks a lot. Okay, have a nice day.